0: Hello, I'm Peter Ayers, and thanks for joining us as we shine a spotlight on Stages. With over 230 episodes in the Stages archive, it's time to revisit conversations featured in previous seasons. Stages spotlight such episodes in case you missed them the first time round, or so you can simply savour a second listen. Either way, you'll be accessing precious oral histories from the people who were there, on and around our Stages. Janet Holmes Accord is charming, astute and informed, recognising the supreme necessity for us all to celebrate and embrace the arts across all genres. She grew up in a household infused with the arts. Her parents instilled in her an enduring love of art, music and theatre. Ms. Holmes Accord is recognised as a leading philanthropist and a major collector of Indigenous art which contributes to an extensive collection, much of which is loaned to public galleries around the world. She has guided, chaired and managed strong associations with arts organisations such as the West Australian Symphony Orchestra, the Art Gallery of Western Australia, the Australian Children's Television Foundation, the Australian National Academy of Music and the Australian Major Performing Arts Group. It is a career of vast artistic governance and leadership. Janet was a founding patron and chairperson of Western Australia's Black Swan Theatre Company, recognising the enormous benefit of a state theatre company that traverses local and Indigenous stories and explores an expansive repertoire of classic and international works. Janet Holmes Accord was featured in season two during a stage's visit to Perth. She was one of several creatives joining stages to converse and celebrate the immense artistic output and creation that has emanated from and continues to thrive in Western Australia. This is extraordinary, the, the, the space that we're in at the moment. What, what is this, Janet?
1: Oh, this is um, the, what we call the deep storage for my art collection, Um, There's about five and a half thousand works, or slightly more than five and a half thousand works in the collection, and they need to be stored in climate-controlled environment, which this is. It's set at a certain temperature and a certain humidity level, um, hopefully, which um, is maintained 24 hours a day, uh, every day of the year. And uh, you can see that uh, the works are mainly on racks or if they're works on paper then they're in what are called salander boxes. Uh, and if they're barks, uh, Aboriginal bark paintings of which there are many in the collection, they are flat, um, lying flat in these shelves or this whole area here is full of drawers. And each drawer has one or two barks in it, and a few of the barks are hanging on the wall because they—they're quite hard to have on racks because they, after a while, they want to go back to being trees. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, <laughs> of course. So they curve, and that makes it difficult. So, so they have to be either laid flat or hung where there's plenty of room for them to to move around.
0: When yeah. one, one thinks of a collection of art and imagines it all hanging on the wall, but of course something as vast as yours needs to be preserved and taken care of. Yes, Because yes. I, I'm sure you're lending it out all the time for, for yes. exhibition?
1: Yes, we are. We've got, there are about a hundred works from the collection in the Art Gallery of Western Australia at the moment in an exhibition called Botanical um, Beauty and Peril about the Magnificent biodiversity of the um, flora of Western Australia, and the flip side of the story, um, the destruction that we've we've wrought, so it shows the beauty of the native flora that was here when we first came, and what we've done to it yeah. uh, and and the danger that so many of our wonderful native plants
0: are in what's your fascination with art the visual art medium
1: oh you'll notice out on the door um our on our main security door to the street it says i think art is nice <laughs> and that's actually a quote from a young artist who well, is not such a young artist now but he was young when he was at um art school for his final year he had to put in a folio of works and write an essay about his work and his colleagues were all writing very esoteric things that nobody could really understand and ben jones his name is ben just wrote my name is ben jones and i think art is nice (laughs) so that was the sort of perfect thing for me to have on the door But uh, I guess uh, a lot of this collection is about the history of the development of art in Western Australia, the history of the development of Perth and Western Australia, in that there's a lot of early colonial work recording um, what the place looked like when we got here, um, how we've transformed it, either negatively or positively. Yeah. Um, there's a history... Um, there's quite a bit of history about the development of Aboriginal art in Australia. Um, some of the earliest uh, Aboriginal works that came uh, became came to people's attention are in this collection. Um, so is a lot works. of the collection West Australian? Um... Yes, uh, there is uh, a lot of early West Australian work in it and then there's a lot of work by contemporary West Australian artists but the Indigenous work is from all over Australia and the 20th century Australian work is from uh, Australia. There are a few works in the collection that I've got in France in my house there that are not by Australians, works... In particular, by a Slovenian artist I discovered when I was going to Slovenia every year for Richard Tonietti's music festival. Yeah, uh, a terrific artist, I think, Simon Kachner, and I've got quite a lot of his work there, and a few works by um, an English, uh, an English artist from the '30s, John Melville. Um, and then some by some Australian friends who spend their uh, summers or spend the northern summer in France. So, uh, but but basically the collection is Australian.
0: Mm. Do you have favourite pieces that you can revolve in your home?
1: Um, interesting question. Um, because my life has always been... Slightly crazy travelling and moving around here, there, and everywhere. I quite like to have a place where things are stable. So, for instance, in my home, I have one of the most fantastic um, works by Emily Nawari. And if it goes away to an exhibition, we leave the 10 screws in the wall because it's going it's to come coming back.
0: back. <laughs> Very good.
1: So, lots of the works uh, at my home stay there because I like to have the the security, if you like, of knowing what's going to be there when I when I return. But they do, those works do um, travel around, but as far as possible, I get them back. Terrific. Mm.
0: I want to go back a little bit now yes. and ask you, were you a good teacher?
1: Was I a, you good, a good teacher?
0: teacher.
1: Yes. Oh, that's did you enjoy the classroom? I did. I absolutely loved it. And my now husband, <laughs> he should be answering this question because <laughs> he was one of my students.
0: Oh, really? Yes.
1: And, uh, yeah, he says I was a good teacher, but, uh, he might be biased, <laughs> but I really enjoyed teaching. I, I really enjoyed the students. I still see some of them, um, keep in touch. And uh, very, very satisfying to see what um, some of the people I taught have achieved with their lives.
0: You studied chemistry? I
1: studied organic chemistry, majored in organic chemistry. Mm. Right, right. And I mainly taught chemistry and general science. Mm.
0: Uh, it's interesting because it seems to be at disparate uh, lengths to the arts, the, the sciences
1: yeah people think that but it's not at all of
0: course um, there's a big push for stem subjects yes, at the moment well, in the schools my people push, say it should be steam
1: that's my yeah. my push would be for steam and i was delighted to find that um, some of my granddaughters are at a school where they were teaching steam where they had steam on the curriculum and i thought that was uh, excellent um, to to not separate the two I mean to be a good scientist you need to be pretty creative um, and if you uh, spend your life surrounded by art you might be a bit creative <laughs> hopefully
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what were the artistic influences in your childhood
1: oh my parents yeah. and uh, and my parents friends um, we uh, my parents didn't have enough money to have original works of art, but they had prints uh, of works that they they loved. I remember um, Picasso and um, uh, Van Gogh and prints of people, you know, major world artists. Um, they had friends. One of their great friends was Bill Robertson, who started the, who was an architect, started the agrico- the architectural school in Perth. Um, we spent a lot of time with uh, him and his family. Um,
0: Were you taken to the theatre or to galleries?
1: Yes, and my, I remember often going to the art gallery in Western Australia and uh, to the theatre and particularly to uh, the Waso my parents were subscribers to the waso when i was very young so occasionally i would be um i would be taken by my father or my mother or by both Um, and uh, because of my parents political involvement i saw some remarkable uh, russian films when i was very young Um, uh, The one I remember, I think the first movie I ever saw was a Russian um, version of Don Quixote and I still have pictures in my head of that and it was a time when the Russians had mastered um, colouring their films in a, a more natural and realistic way than the Americans they were uh, I remember hearing people talking about this that the American um, coloring of films was harsh and reasonably unsophisticated and the Russians had mastered really beautiful uh, and more realistic colours and I that sort of sticks in my mind and the supporting film to that uh, Russian film of Don Quixote was a documentary on beavers (laughs) (laughs) and and fascinating (laughs) animals (laughs) but no we were I suppose we were brought up with a lot of um, discussion about art visits to art galleries music particularly my earliest memory is seeing my mother crying into the this washing up water or crying working at the sink because she was listening to beethoven's fifth piano concerto and she knew she wouldn't hear it again for a while and and i can remember you know i must have been only three or four but it must have had an impression on me you know fancy something as beautiful as this can make someone cry, yeah. there must be something special yeah, about to the this. Soul. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So there's a
0: broad range of art forms influencing you and informing you as yes. you're growing up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. you become a great uh, passionate lover of the arts and patron of the arts. Mm. Why are arts so important to a society? Do you think?
1: Oh, look. That's really. Um, it's a question that that keeps getting asked, but. You might say, why is it important for people to breathe? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Without, um, without the arts, we are diminished as a people, I think. We need to be, I think we need to be surrounded by art, either painting or music, doesn't matter what sort of music, but preferably the sort of music that I like Um, uh, and theatre that reflects who we are, um, how we go about things, how we relate to other people. Um, It just, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's part of being a human being and it's very sad for people who miss out on those experiences. But in fact, people often miss out on realizing that they are in fact surrounded by art. They listen to the radio, they buy a shirt in a shop and it's been designed by someone. Mm. The fabric's been designed. Yeah. They see an ad, it's been designed by someone who's been trained out at Whopper or, yeah. or somewhere else. Marketing everywhere. So the well, senses
0: are engaged all the time. All the, the time. Yeah.
1: All the time. Yeah. Yes, and I think people um, maybe need to be reminded of that every now and then so they don't think that it's something odd and uh, elitist and something that I'm not a part of. You're part of it. You are. If you're a human being, you're part of it.
0: Yeah. This might be a difficult question, but do you have a favourite art form?
1: Uh, probably not. No, I, mean, I suppose when I'm you, just, listening... you seem to
0: have a finger in every pie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it, I, I suppose I have really. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I, when I was a child, we. I saw heaps of ballet. Um, my friend Dale, who's the same age as I am. Well, she's a couple of months older, actually. Um, <laughs> Dale and I, we were at the ballet often in um, His Majesty's. I frankly never want to see another tutu. <laughs> I I saw so much yeah. ballet as a child. Um, I've seen some fantastic um, contemporary dance. Um, Opera, um, not just the five or six operas that the WA Opera Company does every now and then, but um, last year, Wasso did uh, a concert performance of uh, Tristan and Isolde, which was absolutely marvellous, marvellous. Next year, we're doing a concert um, version of Fidelio, and that's amusing me because for about 20 years I've been saying what's it why won't you do Fidelio because I love it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't think it's got anything to do with my pleading but we are doing it next year Excellent. which will be great um but um theatre uh, I remember lots of shows I was taken to when I was young um, art at the art gallery music in the concert i mean yeah it's um i don't really have a
0: favorite it's what's accessible at the time yes it's
1: like people people say um similar question what's your favorite place in the world or what's your favorite book and i think well my favorite book might be the book i'm reading at the moment
0: what are you reading at the moment
1: what i've just finished reading that the book that was that I launched on Saturday night right called art was their weapon about the theatre world in Perth in the 30s absolutely fascinating for people interested in the arts at all and interested in politics because um it was very left wing Uh, many of the people were who were involved were communists many of them weren't um, and so it's similar
0: to the, the new theatre movement, I guess, that yes, it was, in, the, it was, in the East Coast. it was.
1: It was exactly yeah. that. Um, and uh, in, in America, it was, a, it was a universal move, and in Perth, it was very much um, drawing people's attention to the threat of Nazism and fascism in Europe. And interestingly, people who were part of those, uh, uh, towards the end of the 30s, people were being jailed for being part of those theater movements. When Russia invaded Germany, the powers that be had to have a bit of a rethink because uh, um, things had changed. But um, the other thing about the, uh, the book, it's not only it's not only the fascinating number of plays that these people performed but they took them on the back of trucks around the suburbs and into the country so that people all over western theater australia for the people, yeah. theater for the people and the um, one of the other many things that fascinated me was finding out things like paul hasluck i didn't know that paul hasluck who in my mind was a Governor-General and a member of Menzies' Cabinet, was actually a fantastic theatre critic. A fantastic theatre, very, very astute and supportive of these um, theatrical companies. And also many of the artists who are in the collection, like um, Lungi, Harold Vike, Hal Missingham, um, Herbert McClintock, they were actors in this left-wing theatre company and designed the sets or made the sets, lived together in Trades Hall in flats and so on. So it it's a very, very interesting book. And the other book, which I've just finished, is called Boy Swallows Universe by Troy Dalton. Absolutely. A... a Seriously, a um, uh, Booker Prize, Right. Co- should be a Booker Prize contender.
0: The title's fascinating. What's yes. it about? Yes,
1: Boy Swallows Universe. Um, it's based on the life of this fellow. It's about life in a dysfunctional family right. with... Um, criminal friends
0: we can all relate to that yes exactly
1: (laughs) but but you possibly can't relate to having mentors who have been in jail or writing letters to other prisoners and uh it's a it's an excellent excellent book and troy dalton is a journalist with um i think he writes with the australian and I heard from one of his colleagues that they're very sad that the book's such a success because he they might take give it up. away.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I, I recommended it to several book clubs. That I, I I'm not able to be in a member of a book club because I travel too much. But um, I've, I've certainly um, recommended it to a few book clubs. And I'm, I've just bought a copy. I, I um, have some friends in America and. I discovered that they had never heard of any Australian writers, so I sent them about a wow. dozen yes, such a books by, a, a particularly West Australian Tim Winton. And well, and women writers yeah, actually, yeah. women writers. Um, so I've just sent them this one. So this is a boy's yeah. one, but um, brilliant.
0: Mm. Do you play an instrument?
1: Yeah, I learnt. Well, do I play? I learnt the piano till I was about nineteen. And um, I should play because my parents um, put a lot of time and effort into it and so did I, but I never seem to have time to do it. I should. I should start again. (laughs) It's a
0: bit (laughs) late maybe. (laughs) You seem to be time poor on, on occasion. Is that because you're constantly on the go checking your business interests around the world? No, no,
1: no. Not business interests. I don't really have any business interests um
0: you're just not holidaying
1: no no no, i'm on several boards and that takes up a lot of time i have just given up being chairman of the wasso i'm still on the board but i was chairman for 22 years or something and um i'm still on the board but i've convinced richard um, goida that he should be the chairman which is great uh and i'm on the board of the national academy of music based in melbourne uh and i've chaired the australian children's television foundation which is also based in melbourne since about 1985 or something like that um what what do you enjoy I've about got this sorry. yeah what then do, i've got this
0: what do you enjoy about being on boards and, and the governance of arts institutions
1: Um, I guess.
0: Is it to make sure things are done properly, or you feel uh, that you need to give back?
1: I hate that expression, give back.
0: Alright, I'll take that back. Yes,
1: yes. It's, um, it's to. I really do not like it when people say, "Oh, I like to give back." I think, well, why don't you just give?
0: Yes, true.
1: Just give.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but uh, no, being on. Uh, any of those boards is is very, very satisfying because they are all doing they're all doing things. For instance ANAM is educating the next generation of fantastic Australian musicians. We've got 19 musicians in the WASO who were trained at ANAM. Every orchestra not only in Australia but round the world it's like the it's like the whopper yep. of music 75 intensively trained musicians learning how to be a musician the children's television foundation being involved in that is one of the most satisfying things i've ever done in my life because they we make quality children's television that's seen in 189 countries.
0: Wow.
1: And, and things like Round the Twist, which you probably grew up with.
0: Uh, yeah, WR. Round
1: the Twist was made in, ni- before Robert died in 1988. It's on the air, 24 hours a day, somewhere in the world. Unbelievable, really. And I just think the, the thought of young people around the world watching Australian ethics, Australian values, Australian sense of humor um, Australian beliefs with Australian accents is such a wonderful yeah. thing.
0: I well, love the that, idea that that one taking the world by storm at the moment Is about the blue healer? Yes girl. blueies. That Bluey, yeah. is
1: not one of ours right. um, But it's a huge success. We have worked with those people um, but they didn't They didn't need our help for this. But that's a fantastic one. We've got one called um, The Investigators, about a few kids investigating some crimes. And it's on the air in 189 countries. Wow. I mean, that is just that's a fantastic. mind-boggling thing, isn't it, yeah, for yeah. Australia, for our product to be... Out there, and I get I get phone calls from friends saying, Oh, I just landed in Jakarta and I've turned on the television in my hotel room and they're showing round the twist or mortified or something.
0: Yes, yeah, so um, 45 years ago, I was growing up with Play School, that seemed to be the only children's television that's available right around the world. Yeah, um, and Sesame Street, yes, uh, but now there's so much. Oh, is, there's is so much, to, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: So ideally board members of arts companies should have a knowledge and passion for the arts as well as good business acumen, yeah. I suppose. What is good governance?
1: Well, I, I think um, uh, this is a controversial point, but Margaret Sears agrees with me and if Margaret agrees with me, it's fine, um, <laughs> anything. Um, I think that one of the Sad things that's happened in Australia over the last several years is that too many arts companies have boards have been populated by people who are business people who don't necessarily have a passion for the art form that's there uh, that that their um, company is about and so one of the things that I Enjoy about being involved in ANAM or the Wasso or the art gallery, is that my passion is about education of young musicians, classical music, art, and with Black Swan was about the theatre. And every board does need someone who can add up the numbers and keep you on the straight and narrow in terms of legal knowledge. Legal knowledge. Although, you can pay for legal knowledge. Um, But I think arts boards desperately need to have people on them who are passionate about their particular art form, or any other art form. Because the more we can have cooperation between arts companies, for instance, at the Art Gallery of Western Australia, 10 or 11 years ago we used, they, they I wasn't involved then, that they used to have the Watto come over or a string quartet and cooperate with music and art We uh, I've been in conversation with Joseph Nolan at the cathedral about bringing his marvellous consort to Agua to perform in their wonderful spaces there. Um, we need to cooperate across our um, art, different art forms. Yep. And so to have a, a board where you've only got accountants and lawyers and no one who's passionate about the the topic um, is a recipe I think for disaster.
0: But some people do it for their CV. They
1: do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now you're one of the founders of the State Theatre Company, yep. Black Swan. Yep. Uh, it's a, what gave? What are the circumstances that gave birth to that venture?
1: Oh, I remember it very plainly.
0: Because there were, there were a few theatre companies in Perth at the yeah. time. Was there? Um,
1: no, uh, they were being they were going broke and being right. Um, so a hole disbanded. in the wall,
0: Perth Theatre Company.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. they were disappearing very yeah. quickly. Yeah. And Andrew Ross was the artistic director of a show called Brand New Day. It was on in the Festival of Perth, 1991.
0: We're going to see it again. Good. Um, the yes. opera companies are doing it. That's next right. Year, That'll be
1: fantastic. very interesting yeah, yeah. to see what they do, um, what they do with it. Um, so I went to see that. And I just thought it was absolutely wonderful. And it was at the Subiaco Theatre Center? No, no no, was no, it? no, 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 no. It was at the Octagon right. at the university. And I I thought, this this is great. And Andrew Ross didn't have a theatre company at that time. So I met after the show was over with Duncan. Duncan Orr. Orr. We met on the st- and And... I just said, you know, you can't. We can't let this be the last thing that that happens in theatre in Perth because the other theatres were were dying. Is that because and of audiences
0: that were uh, falling off? No, that it was about money. I
1: th- well, it might have been funding. About a, and, yeah, funding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we decided there and then to start a theatre company, and because we were at the university, I guess, and because the university has so many theatres we thought it would be great if the university was involved. So the um, finance manager of the university at the time was a guy called Martin Griffiths. We got him involved. We set up a board and uh, somehow away we went. Uh, And uh, Andrew was there for 10 or 11 years and Duncan around about exactly the same, oh no, sorry, no. We had a couple of general managers and then Duncan. Because
0: um, he would have been at Whopper, I he,
1: guess, Yes, yeah. yeah, then he came in as the general manager and he and Andrew left around about the same time and then we had a succession of uh, other people. But um, I don't think Black Swan's ever done the sorts of... Um, there were a lot of things Black Swan did... Um, during Andrew's time and uh, Duncan's time, that were superb, and and could have been repeated. I don't know whether you ever saw the year of living dangerously yeah. that Andrew did. Yeah. I mean, how good was that? That yeah. was astonishing. With Ian with his Gamelan orchestra and the the Wei Yang Theatre in the background, and yeah. oh my God, that was. Just wonderful. And I mean,
0: theatre's ephemeral, but, you know, wonderful experiences like that mm. stay with us for a lifetime, yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the the shows we did, um, the merry-go-round in the sea, oh, yes. uh, right. Stow. Rick Stowe, yeah. Rick Stowe, and uh, not Rick, Randolph Stowe, Mick Stowe, and um, Tourmaline. Yeah. Tourmaline at Pika, I mean, that was a very, very special. Yeah. And Bob Juniper's sets for those those things. and then Cloud Street, which wasn't one of Andrews, but Andrew was there when it when it happened. So what was the
0: company's mission regarding the works that they present? Because I remember a lot of indigenous.
1: Yes, uh, when, we started, when we started, when we started, we in our um, articles uh, of uh, association, we were required to have a board of 12 people with three indigenous people. We, we had great difficulty keeping uh, indigenous people on the board, but the idea was to present either West Australian works or the classics with a West Australian flavor. And in fact, the first show Black Swan did as Black Swan was The Tempest, Set in broom. Right. yeah, and and we were to use blind casting, yep. uh, which which uh, we did. I mean, with um, Waiting for Godot, uh, we had an in and two Indigenous people in in Waiting for Godot, I think, um, and but then Yura started, and Black Swans need to use a lot of Indigenous uh, actors faded away a bit because Yuri Arkham was doing it. How good was that? And there was Bengara in the Eastern States. So, um, although um, although Indigenous people were still used, it wasn't such a uh, necessary thing, if yeah. you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: But then when Andrew directed Endgame a couple of years ago with Kelton Pell, and um, that was just amazing. Jeff Kelso and Kelton Pell. What a team. That was marvellous. And the two, um, (laughs) George uh, and Rosemary in the rubbish bins popping up. It was astonishing.
0: (laughs) I guess it's pretty obvious, but how was the name Black Swan chosen? Were there other titles thrown into the ring? Um,
1: not too many. We, we didn't want it to be the West Australian Theatre Company because that was a company that had gone to the wall. Right. And Black Swan just... I think it was probably Andrew Ross's um, suggestion. And I'm really pleased that Black Swan has kept that name, even though it's now the Black Swan State Theatre Company, I'm glad that Black Swan is still there, because you've got the South Australian Theatre Company, the New you know, Sydney Theatre Company, Melbourne Theatre Company, it's nice to distinguish it as West
0: Australian. I imagine that changes of leadership is essential in any industry, but is that the same for the arts? Do they require more stability, or is it good to have a constant... Well, not necessarily a constant, but a, a regular sort of...
1: Yeah, well, that, that is also a really uh, interesting question because people are often obsessed with the idea that you've got to keep changing. And I'll tell you a story. The Children's Television Foundation was started in 1982 to, with um, the support of Malcolm Fraser, the then Prime Minister... And the idea was um, Patricia Edgar, Dr. Patricia Edgar's idea. Um, and along we went. In 1990, a young lawyer came to work for us, Jenny Buckland. And when Patricia retired in about 2000, Jenny became the CEO and she's still a CEO. And there would be people who say, oh, you know, you've got to change um, your management. but The industry has changed almost unrecognisably. When we first made, say, Round the Twist, and someone overseas wanted to, a a, a broadcaster in Germany wanted to see Round the Twist, we had to pack up films in great big metal cases and at huge expense send it off there. And then we moved People wanted to see it in Germany, so we could send them a video. Might be a VHS or a. What was the other one? DVD. DVD. No. 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 Uh, VHS. Or beta. Or beta. Yeah, yeah. Then we go. And then we moved on and we had to send them. We could send them a, a DVD. Now, we press a button and it all goes in an email wow um
0: so technology technology has, been bit, yeah,
1: has yeah. changed and so jenny has had to keep up with that but the other thing that's changed massively is that originally seven nine and ten those channels had a requirement for 32 hours of original australian drama yeah. most of them did it for a while um, we've moved into a period where they hate doing it. Um, we're of the view now that possibly don't force them to do it cause they hate it, but tax them in some way so that, they don't. so that, um, they are not escaping. But kids are now watching TV at totally different times. They're watching on different, you know, some devices, devices. It is such a different time that...
0: The consumer can access it any time they want. Any
1: time they like. Anywhere. Anywhere, anything, which is a bit of a worry. But with, so Jenny, who's been there now nearly 30 years, she's still the same human being sitting at her desk, but the industry around her has changed completely. And that happens in all the arts, I think. With Black Swan, what are people interested in now? What were they interested in in 1991 when we started it? What's happened around it? Yuri Yarkin, does Black Swan have to do Aboriginal work now? Um, are people more interested in seeing plays about West Australian stories, like, or Australian stories? Um, Boundary Street telling people a story about Brisbane in the second world war that nobody knew about yeah. white divers of broom yeah. telling a story about western australian history that nobody wanted to talk about etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. so i don't think it's as essential um for an arts company as it is for maybe bhp yeah. um because the world around arts companies is changing.
0: Yeah. It's finding new ways to tell stories. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Why is it important for a state to have a theatre company, a ballet company, an opera company?
1: Well, that's, it's um, absolutely fundamental, I think, yeah. that a sophisticated society or any society has... The opportunities for people to reflect on who they are, where they are. Black Swan, when Andrew was there, we were really interested in the Indian Ocean Rim. We had associations with Malaysian companies, Indian companies, South African companies, to talk to West Australians about the part of the world that we inhabit. Um, that's important. Yeah that's important. Telling Um, the stories. Tell the stories. Um, Why is it important to have an orchestra? Um, Why is it important for Australia to have the ABC, to have a national broadcaster that is telling us our stories, um, telling us, uh, giving us the news in what I think is pretty unbiased way, even though some of my friends think, oh, it's shocking me left wing.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs)
1: But uh, I think we have to have um, the art gallery telling the story of Western Australian art and the development of this place.
0: You said once, I get great pleasure out of the fact that I'll be crossing the street somewhere and a person I have never seen in my life before will say, G'day Janet, do you enjoy the spotlight?
1: <laughs> no, it's not the spotlight so much. It's or the just recognition, the, the celebrity? Well, well, what? No, no, I don't. But that referred to when I had a construction company, John Holland, and my passion there because i'm not an engineer although i learned a lot about engineering but my passion was occupational health and safety and the people who worked in john holland knew that um, and it also i occasionally was able to take the orchestra to port headland to perform for all the workers up there and so they felt comfortable if they saw me in Perth saying, good day, Janet, yeah. and I loved that. Yeah, great. Mm.
0: Uh, the arts are in a bit of a funding crisis at the moment. Yes, they are. Uh, there's a great decline in, in funding for the arts. Is philanthropy what and where it should be in this country? I mean, you go to the States and yeah, read a, a Well, a I, for
1: and... a while I was on the International Advisory Board of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra, And the very first meeting I attended, the chairman (laughs) announced that he'd just written a cheque for $20 million for them. And that sort of thing happened all the time. Now, $20 million is about the annual budget of the WASO. It's slightly more. And that was from one person. Um, I I think uh, with the decline in government funding, Uh, every arts company is thinking about philanthropy but it's it's an interesting dilemma because in say in Germany they don't need too much philanthropy for their arts companies because their government understands the importance of the arts so their arts companies are really well funded or they're funded almost 100% by the government In America, they have had governments who haven't been, and this one, I would imagine, not vaguely interested in the arts. So philanthropists have had to do the whole job of supporting arts companies. And so they have tax um, regimes that help that to happen. Plus, people make far more money. Here we've had a balance between government funding and philanthropy. Government funding's now going down. Everybody's trying to get on the philanthropy, or the arts companies are trying to get into the philanthropists. But we don't have the necessarily the tax incentives or the huge incomes um, that um, Americans seem to have. Plus, so many of our companies, big companies making huge, making a billion dollars a month, for instance, yeah. which they some of the mining companies are selling our iron ore, digging up our iron ore and shipping it overseas overseas because their shareholders are largely international, do their shareholders care about the Warsaw or Black Swan or the art gallery?
0: Not really. They're probably not even aware it exists. No. Yeah.
1: So we had this conversation the other day in, in on a board that um, if those huge companies, largely overseas owned, that are making so much money out of WA don't support and honour their licence to operate, if you like, then maybe their royalties should be increased and the government should spend more on funding the arts companies. Um, Because it is pretty outrageous when uh, a company like West Farmers is the most generous company in Australia, I'm sure. It certainly is in Western Australia. Without West Farmers, there'd be no arts here, quite seriously. Mm. Without West Farmers, there would hardly be any music, any drama, any ballet, any opera, any theatre. all art go. They are fantastic. But the percentage of money they give away in sponsorship compared with their annual earnings is enormous compared with... BHP, Rio and and people like that other companies like that and uh, that's great for the arts companies because we've got West Farmers but it's not really fair on West Farmers that they're sort of holding the ones, up the whole yeah. thing yeah. Um, thank goodness for them but the others need to be drag kicking and screaming and I saw the other day a chart of the Overseas ownership of the top 20 companies in Australia and Not many of them are owned by The bulk of them are owned by the bulk of their shareholders are overseas people right. and so you can understand they why should they give money to the Warsaw or black swan Their, their shareholders couldn't care less. Yeah
0: What makes you happy?
1: What makes me happy? Oh, heaps of things.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) Oh, dear.
0: Or just one of them.
1: (laughs) No, well, I've got 17 grandchildren. Oh, great. And uh, when I hear about them um, doing good things, um, one of them, I was in London a couple of weeks ago, and we took one of them up to Bristol University where he's going to study... um, in aeronaut, aerospace engineering, I kept wow. saying aeronautical, but aerospace engineering, that makes me feel happy. Um, last week, I was in uh, Hobart watching another granddaughter play, or a granddaughter play hockey, for WA, which was great. Um, going to, well, having an opening here on Friday night of Leslie Meeny's work. I've loved Leslie's work for a long time. It was great to be able to have 50 years of her work, or examples of 50 years of her work, um, sitting uh, in the theatre, watching a play that's done well, reading a good book, listening to amazing music, um, spending time with artists. Last night I was, I had dinner with Tony Jones, an artist friend of mine, and we went through some we looked at some sketchbooks of some early West Australian artists, which were astonishing, astonishing. Pen drawings where you think the lines are finer than a hair. What implement did this man use? Yeah, in my yeah. um, no, heaps of things make me happy. Being with my family, being with my husband, yeah. Brilliant. Well, I'm
0: very happy that you could uh, have this conversation today, <laughs> Janet. Thank you so much for joining us on the stages. Um, I hope it's all right. I it's, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm. Can, we have, can I have a look at some of the art?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Janet. There is much passion, dedication and celebration in her immense contribution to the various arts disciplines in Western Australia and nationwide. Such champions ensure that the arts will always play a crucial role in society. Following the recording, she took me on an extensive tour of her art collection. Magnificent pieces of work reflecting a keen eye and someone intent on preserving history and beauty. It was a great treat indeed.